Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Ripped, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm, of course, your host and resident silly boy, joined today, as always, by my friend and co-host. He's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Hero in a Half Shell. Turtle Power! It's Micah. Hey, yeah, that's a perfect song. <laughs> yeah, it was the only it. song. <laughs> that or Go Ninja, Go oh, yeah. Ninja, Go. Good old Vanilla Ice, man. <sighs> we're talking turtles today, man. That's right, turtle talking time. Tur- we're talking turts Turts. Today. We're going to settle once and for all who the best Ninja Turtle is on this show today. I don't know, it makes uh, it makes a, an argument against what I normally say, which... <laughs> I, have, I have a feeling that... This episode could easily turn into us arguing about who the best Ninja Turtle is and just not ignoring the book altogether. Yeah, ignoring the book. Yeah, 100%. That is 30, 40% could be the case. Yeah. Could be the case. Yeah. (sighs) Um, Do you have anything that you want to jump into before that, Thor? Do you have any any fun news articles that you've read? Any any witty banter that... Any you witty. partook in? <laughs> How about a bit of witty yeah, A little raconteur, uh, verbal jousting sessions that you may have had? Oh, gosh, no. Um, I feel like there's something, and I'm free. Oh, I have a new recommendation for you. Oh, boy. And this one, it's it's genuinely pretty cool. Okay. Okay, right. so there's this show on Netflix. Once again, like I like to recommend... How much nudity is involved in this recommendation? Zero. Oh, okay, cool. All Very right. little. All right. Um, Continue then. It is a reality competition show, though. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it is called The Trust. Okay. Here's the concept of it. It's fucking brilliant. So they take, it's like 10 people, and they put them in a house together. And they tell them all, so as of right now, you have all won. There is a $250,000 pot. You all get an equal share of that pot. Okay. Now, here's the twist of it, is every couple of days, they do a trust ceremony where everybody secretly votes, and you can either choose to not vote and continue to share the trust, or you can uh, vote to vote somebody out. And here's the thing, is if nobody gets any votes... The, continu- the show continues on everybody sharing. If you get a single vote, you are out. Unless oh. if two people get votes and they're tied, nobody goes home. So essentially, it's whoever gets the most votes goes home. Sure. But if but like literally, if nobody votes except for one person who that person voted for goes home. So how does this how does this competition end? Then. Well, it just it goes on. It it just so like each every couple days there's like they obviously they throw these like not challenges in, but they'll throw these uh I guess you would call them just kind of these like events or exercises in that intentionally shake stuff up. They have people reveal secrets about themselves. Gotcha. Or they'll have like for example, the one is there's ten people in the house and they're like we want you all to line up and you guys decide who you think is the best leader. Okay. And then they all line up and then the person who put themselves at the front, they're like, okay, now you have to decide who do you think is the most trustworthy and put them in a line from least trustworthy to most trustworthy. So essentially intentionally like sowing seeds of yeah. mistrust within the group. Yeah. And then... Uh, they have this thing called the vault where so periodically people will be sent to the vault where they'll be given an offer in secret where they can either take money from the trust for themselves or they can do something for the good of the group. Oh, okay. So it's, I love Survivor, but my least favorite part of Survivor is the physical challenges, like the actual games and shit. Like it's just not that interesting to me. I love the I love the social aspect of trying to lie to people but not lie so much that you get caught and playing a great game but not playing a not playing a good enough game where people suspect you. It's kind of like that 
but just that piece without like all the physical challenges. It's okay. literally just a game of bluffing and trying to get people to trust you and wondering. It's like a game of leveled thinking where everybody's like, I trust this person, but do they trust me? And do I trust that they trust me? And can I really trust them? Are they lying to me or am, do they know that I'm lying to them? Do they think that I think that they're lying? You know, it's just a bunch of shit like that. Sure. So once people get voted out, you asked, how does it end? Yeah. They, like there's a certain number of episodes, a certain number of days they spend in the house. Oh, okay. So after the certain amount of days, the thing is over. Regardless yeah, of how many X, people there's are there. X amount of trust ceremonies. Okay. So it could potentially end with if nobody gets voted out throughout the whole season, then 10 people are splitting the pot. If all but like three people are voted out, those three people are splitting the pot. And it's two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred and fifty. Oh, two fifty is what it starts out as, and then it can either go up or go down, and they never know. Like they don't know how much money is in the pot as the show goes on. So these people are being offered these like secret these things in secret, and they're taking money, and nobody else even knows. And it's like up to them if they choose to tell people or not. It's a really, really interesting show. So the question is, then if if it's $250,000 from the get-go and there's 10 of them, then there's $25,000 per person. Correct, yeah. That's that's interesting because to me, I could see myself making the argument like we get 25 grand. But if somebody annoys you, man. Well, here's where the fear, the fear kicks in. It's not even about somebody annoying you. It's about, do I trust that person to not write my name down? That, yeah. That's more of what it is. <laughs> like, well, it's this, in, and this then, intent, like this, uh, this kind of ever present danger of like one, it takes one person to write my name down and now I'm going home. It, it's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting show. I think it sounds good. fascinating. Yeah. I, I think that I would enjoy this. Yeah, it's called The Trust. It's on Netflix. I, I really enjoyed it. Me and Kendra. Okay. Yeah. And I like the way they did it. They did like four episodes, three episodes at a time. And then so they did like three episodes and then a week later, another three came out. Oh, OK. And then a week later, like the final episode came out. OK. Um, Responsible binging then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I actually I actually really like. OK. Yeah. yeah, that sounds interesting. I just finished. uh Hell's Kitchen season 22, so I'm looking for something to get into. Okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I fucking love Hell's Kitchen. I love Gordon Ramsay. I'm not, I've never been a fan of cooking shows. It just doesn't interest me. I don't really have much of a desire to cook or learn how to cook. You just like hearing Gordon Ramsay yell at people? Basically. I get that. Yeah, yeah, there's just a fun thing about Gordon Ramsay yelling at people. If it was something that wasn't cooking, I'd be fully into it, probably. Sure. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, it's a guilty pleasure thing. You know, I've, I've, We've talked about Ink Master yeah. and how Ink Master would be 10 times better if it didn't have the drama that is in between the, the sure. sessions. Yeah. For Gordon Ramsay stuff, I go into it for the drama. Like that's uh -huh. that's yeah. why I'm going in there. I I just I want to I want to realize that other people probably have it worse off than I do. And yeah, any day Gordon Ramsay isn't screaming at you is a good day. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right, let's uh, let's let's jump into some turtle action. Yeah, let's do some turt talk. Turt talk. Let's talk turts. <laughs> hey, folks! Make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep. I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, folks, so today we are going to get into The Last Ronin, which is a little mini-series about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
uh, five issues to be specific. Um, and it was published by IDW. I really, really like them as a, as a company, as a publisher. Um, so this was originally released in 2020 and like the first issue came out in 2020. The last publication date of the last issue came out in 2022. So oh, five, wow. five issues, five comics came out over a span of almost two years, um, which is a lot, right? They, as far as a lot of time between those, between those two things. So this story tells the tale. It's a futuristic setting. It's something that me, if you are unfamiliar or I'm sorry, if you are familiar with the general Ninja Turtle landscape, it's totally new. This takes place in the future. Uh, the foot have taken over New York and only one Ninja Turtle is alive. It is revealed to you in the comic that that Ninja Turtle is Michelangelo and all of the other Ninja Turtles have died. It kind of leads you to believe or it kind of lets you try and guess which Ninja Turtle it was because we as humans are speciest and we can't tell the turtles apart unless they're wearing their colored bandanas. So you find out at the end of the first issue that it's Michelangelo and all of the other Ninja Turtles are dead. And it's a revenge story, essentially. Um, it's Michelangelo trying to get his honor for his family back. And it just kind of goes from there. Yeah, he's trying to kill Shredder's grandson. Yep. Who is responsible for the death of his brothers and yeah. father. Yep. So um, so with that being said, that's kind of the general plot synopsis. Thor, how do you feel? How do you feel about this? Because this this is making headways in the comic book landscape as far as, you know, with people who are into comics, people are saying this one is one that you got to find. Like you got to you got to be involved in this. Dude, I fucking love Michelangelo. He's 100 percent the best goddamn Ninja Turtle. Don't, so, of don't course, start with. <laughs> oh, my gosh. OK, <laughs> Dude, I love Michelangelo. So I'm <sighs> obviously on board right now. No, um, we are. You and I are. Uh, I guess we're millennials technically, but uh -huh. we're like, you know, we grew up in the nineties yep. where late eighties, early nineties, that's kind of the Ninja Turtle fucking heyday. Right. Yeah. So obviously I love the turtles. I love this take on it where it's dark and gritty. And whereas the Ninja Turtles are always kind of like happy and fun. Sure. It's dealing with like severe trauma. Yes. And like just some really dark emotions, which I think is a, a fun take on it because it's you know you know i'm not a super huge comic guy right but it's my understanding that the original very first ninja turtles comics mm -hmm. were they were kind of dark and gritty like the very first issue right yeah yeah the first issue was pretty gritty um so it feels like kind of like a return to that whereas yeah. the ninja turtles certainly got they got put into the kid space of the 80s and 90s which was always very happy and positive and they sure. kid, they're fucking radical and they ride skateboards through the sewers and shit, which is fun. That's why they were awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I like this turn of like a dark post-apocalyptic story almost. Sure. Well, I mean, take the take the vibes of this and compare it to like the second Ninja Turtle movie, for example, where they had weapons, but they never even used their weapons in the movie at all because they wanted it to be kid friendly. Yeah. You know, it's definitely a... Um, a shift back to something much closer to what the original intent was for. Yeah. And me and uh, our buddy McCrary, who is like kind of like the com the comic guy, right? Mm -hmm. um, we had discussed this a little bit, and I guess on his other podcast, uh, Two Fat Dudes, when this thing was originally announced, they were kind of discussing, because uh, I guess when this first came out, and I'm just, making this assumption based on my conversation with Zach and the back of the book was there was a lot of mystery as to which Ninja Turtle is it going to be? Yeah. And they had a whole conversation trying to guess like, which turtle are they going to go with? And I think Michelangelo is the perfect one because I would agree. It's the most interesting story because he was always the fun party dude. He's the Hufflepuff. He's you know the, what I mean? Yeah. He's, it's because he's the worst Ninja Turtle. He's fucking, he's Mary. Frodo, oh, Sam, okay, Mary okay. Pippin. All right, yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, I wasn't sure which Mary Sli you were talking Slytherin, about. Slytherin, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, sure. Gryffindor. It's all it's all just the same four four personality type paradigm. Right. Um so he's the fun guy and it, he's the party dude of the turtles who were all kind of party dudes. Mm -hmm. He was really like 
the party. He was yeah. he was the party dude. He was he the jokester, was the clown. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's perfect that I I think it was the best story they could have told. I think you could have made a good case for uh, Leonardo. Sure. Because obviously it'd be like, oh, I failed the team. I'm supposed to be the leader. Yeah. I think Donatello would probably be the least interesting out of all four of them as far as the character arc from that. Yeah, because he was kind of already a loner of the turtles. Mm -hmm. He kind of feels the most lonery. Yeah. Well, and with Raph, you feel like he could say, like, I was too brash. I was you know, I jumped the gun too much and, and like maybe that's the cause yeah. of, of the death of the yeah, turtles. But what, are you going to make him more angry? Are you going to make him more yeah, of exactly. an asshole? Like, no. Yeah. So for Michelangelo, it's such a uh, it's such a great character arc. Sure. Yeah, so I, w- I would agree I with like that. I like the selection of Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. I love the vibe of this. It's so fucking dark. Yeah, because because New York is totally under like martial law Dude, can control. We, can we talk about how hilarious this is? <laughs> sure. So. <laughs> That pe- that is the one, probably my only, it's not even really a criticism, it's just the thing I found kind of funny is like, this evil ninja warlord took over New York City. Yep. <laughs> like a Bond villain, where it's like, <laughs> like the rest of the United States doesn't exist. Or sure. Anything. It's yeah. like New York, <laughs> like just this one evil warlord guy took over a whole city. Took over a whole city. Yeah. Not even a state, just the city. <laughs> just like, the city. Not even, you know, you know, the rest of New York State would just be okay with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that is kind of goofy. Like, I mean, if, it's it's a comic book, right? Exactly, so, yeah. So, like I said, it's not a criticism. I just found it very funny. Yeah, it's a little goofy, admittedly. Well, and I feel like... But they're giant turtles running around, so you can't. Like, I'm not poking. I'm not poking holes because that would be the first hole I would poke. Yeah. Is they're giant turtles. They're giant turtles. And yeah. also, why do they wear masks? Why do the Great. turtles wear masks uh, to I told, conceal I mean, their identity? It, no, it's so that we can tell which turtles which yeah. one. That's the only reason. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Probably it's for Splinter's behalf, to be honest. Yeah. Splinter's like, I don't know which one of you is which. They just here. Here is a an orange bandana, a purple one, blue one, red one. Don't take it off. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be able to tell you apart. Yeah, I as a whole, I've always really enjoyed the Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. but I have kind of gotten away from them as I've gotten older because of how child oriented their stories have kind of become. Yeah. Um I don't know if it's if it started with Nickelodeon taking cuz they own the IP now, mm-hmm. but definitely since then they've really pushed into being a kid-friendly show, which I get, right? And it has its place, but that makes it less interesting to me yeah. as an adult. Well, and I think it honestly I think for the most part it should be reserved for kids cuz once they're giant talking turtles that ride skateboards and eat pizza. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And maybe that was not when uh what what's the guy who created this um kevin uh, eastman kevin eastman yeah and uh, peter laird were the two people who yeah. made it when they created maybe that wasn't their initial idea but between the cartoon and the movies that's what they are and that's what we really remember yeah i i think for most of us so for from what i understand they kind of created it together as a joke and made a comic just to sell a single single issue comic. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it just exploded. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. There, so- there's a really like uh, heartfelt and sweet uh, kind of like uh, letter from uh, Kevin Eastman at the end of this collection that you gave me. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he kind of talks about it. It's really, I don't know if you've read it, but it, it's I really where he's kind of talking about like, I remember... Um, they had to like get it out to the presses. He's like, I remember looking at the board, the storyboard for the first comic, and we got it out to the presses, and we didn't even know if it was going to get back in time for this comic convention we wanted to go to. Oh, sure. And it came back like the day before they actually got the physical copies of it printed. Wow. And then they took it to this convention, and then they were like, it just took on a life of its own. That's so cool. Yeah, it's a really neat, and it's basically him just like kind of thanking uh thanking everyone sure and and just kind of like basically saying like hey thank you to all the fans this has been a a dream i couldn't even imagine for the last 30 years because of this stupid comic right well and the cool thing about this too is we mentioned that this kind of goes back to something closer to the first couple of issues of the ninja turtles yeah it was written 
by the two creators. So Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird were two main writers of this. Yeah. So it wasn't like it probably did have corporate oversight, I would imagine. Sure. But you've got the original creators coming back to this. I'm assuming they probably have been pretty hands off in the last. I would think. Yeah. I I mean, why all the different iterations of Ninja Turtles? I mean, I can't imagine they've been. You know, whole like fully involved in all of that. Well, yeah, I mean, if if Nickelodeon owns the IP, that means that they purchased it from somebody, right? So they don't have the rights anymore, I don't think. Okay. As far as publishing rights, so this I would imagine is, uh, you know, I don't know if it was the writers coming in and saying, "Hey, we've got this idea," or if if they went to the writers and said, "Hey, would you like to do a comic?" And this is what they came up with. I'm not sure. But it definitely you can fe- you can see how this touches base on something that is closer to what the original style was. Yep. Even the artwork they uh, so they they were the writers, but they did some of the artwork too. Like the all of the um, like the backstory scenes where the artwork style changes. Yeah, those are the that's the writers doing those pages, which so, I really like. Those um, I like those pages. Yeah. I, I I find it very interesting because it almost feels like they're addressing the fact that you are looking at an animated medium. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this animated world, if they animated something, what would it look like? Sure. Almost, I don't know if that's the intention, but that's kind of how it felt where it's where it's this like really stripped down uh, type of animation mm-hmm. or uh, I guess illustration, illustration, illustration yeah. rather, rather. Yeah. Yeah, but um, so that's that's a bit about like the backstory of just the turtles in general, kind of where we stand. Uh, so is Michelangelo your favorite turtle? He's the best turtle. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'm gonna disagree. Uh, Donatello is my favorite. So that's that's where we're start. That's the starting <laughs> the fucking point. Fucking stupid dork. Shut the hell up, turtle. That's where I stand. All right. <laughs> um, so so let's let's jump into uh the plot a little bit of this. Because, again, the first issue, you don't even know which Ninja Turtle it is because he's not wearing any colors except for black, right? He's yeah. like, got like a black bandana. And he has all of the turtle weapons. So he's got a sword from Leo. He's got the bow staff. He's got a sigh. And he's got nunchucks. So going into this, did you not know which Ninja Turtle it was or did you go into no, it No, I knew which one it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm, w- I'm wondering how effective the... Uh, the mystery actually was in this. Yeah. Because when I entered this, I knew that it was Michelangelo as well. So I wonder if it's one of those things where, like with us, when we watched Star Wars for the first time, we knew that Vader was Luke's dad. At least for me. I like I knew that going in. Uh, okay. I did not. But. Okay. So, so like for us, for me anyway, that's a big plot twist that I didn't get. Right. Okay. Yeah. But the rest of the world did get. So I wasn't sure if it was something like that or, or if they're just like trying to make it seem like it's a mystery, but really everybody knows. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like knowing ahead of time really took anything away from it. Right. I think it would have been fun reading for the first time, but I don't know. I feel like in the world we live in today, something like that, it's like. You can't really keep shit like that secret too long. It'd be really tough. And, and it doesn't really change anything because it's not really a plot twist. Yeah. It it almost just kind of gives you more insight into what the character is going through. Sure. Because literally change, uh, switch out Michelangelo for any other turtle. Nothing changes about the story except for how you perceive what that character is going through. Yeah, that's probably true. And so do you feel like that is a that is a strength or a weakness of this comic? Because for me, just to preface it, I think that it is absolutely cool that Michelangelo is the one that's doing this. Mm-hmm. I think it allows for the most potential of growth in a character. Yeah. Um, or change in a character. Yeah. With that being said, I don't feel like there was anything in here that said this is Michelangelo like he didn't act at all like Michelangelo which 
I don't expect them to because of all the crap that's been going on. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there was nothing like zero things in here to say, oh, there's a remnant of who Michelangelo used to be. Yeah. Like there was nothing in there. And they didn't even really necessarily address like the chain, like in how it changed him. Maybe and maybe they did it this way because they are characters that are so well known and that most people are so familiar with that it was just kind of implied that like, okay, this is a much different Michelangelo than you've seen before. Yeah. I guess what I'm wondering is they had that mystery there, uh-huh. right? But they really couldn't give any um, character into Michelangelo because if they gave any character into Michelangelo, you'd know it was Michelangelo yeah. in that first issue. Correct, yeah. Right? So it had to be a, a blank slate of a character. But yeah, but they could have done something with it in the following yeah. in the following ones. Yeah, and they definitely didn't. Like, he's just Michelangelo. Like, yeah, like I said, I think it's just because you know who Michelangelo is, that's where you're like, in, information of how the character has changed is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Because they almost just like present him as like, this is the character. And they don't even necessarily... Gosh, I can't think of exactly the way I'm trying to say it. Like, they show you his journey. They show you where he went. They they do kind of deal with the turmoil he's felt. But they don't actually address the fact that he, as a character, has changed. Sure. You just know who the character was and who he is now. And that's how you are experiencing that changed character. Yeah, you don't get to see any of the transition. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And they even do a lot of flashbacks. Yeah. But even in the flashbacks, he's not being fucking Michelangelo, hang loose, dude. Yeah. Like, there's <laughs> none of that. Like, all the flashbacks are them in the midst of war, pretty much. hmm Yeah. How did you feel about the death of all of the turtles? Because in those flashbacks, you get to see, like, how Raphael, how Leo, even Casey Jones... Um, and Splinter and die. like you get to see how all the uh, the rest of the team dies. What did you think about all of that? Um, so I did. I liked the way Raph went out. Mm-hmm. I liked the just way getting, getting angry because Splinter got attacked. Uh huh. Yeah. And then just <laughs> yeah. just and jumping I think it's, into it's hilarious the that a couple episodes or like the next issue you end up finding out Splinter wasn't even dead. Yeah. Like he thought that Splinter had gotten killed, so he went and got himself killed. Mm-hmm. But Splinter hadn't even died. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Just kind of like, I don't know if that was meant to be funny, but I was like, I was kind of, <laughs> I, I don't think it was meant to be funny, <laughs> but it is kind of funny. It's like, dude, he's such a hothead that yeah. he went and got himself killed for no, literally no reason. Yeah. I mean, and let's be honest, if Raph was going to go, that's probably how it happens. Yeah. Um, I, I liked the way Donatello and Splinter went. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't love that just. Leonardo just got blown up in an explosion. I guess it made, that was the one that it just did the least for me. Sure. Um, I did feel like the way they kept switching back and forth between future and present and current mm-hmm. and how current kind of switched to future to like, I felt like it was a little bit confusing. Sure. At certain parts. Yeah. Cause there were, they did this thing where like at the beginning of the film or of a film, when an action scene is happening or think about reservoir dogs, right? How mm-hmm. that, that story is not told in order. Yeah. They do that with this story, mm-hmm. but then there are also flashbacks. So when you jump back to the present, quote unquote. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes when you're in the present, it's in the past from like a future one yeah. or yeah. So it is, I thought it was interesting. Um, I don't know if it was, super effective but also i was reading them back to back i wasn't reading them months apart apart. maybe it would have made maybe it wouldn't have been as confusing if i was reading these as they came out like on these like every couple months or whenever they came out you know sure yeah dude how badass was splinter in Dude, that is scene. I love watching Splinter just slicing fools up with a fucking yeah. katana. Dude. I loved the violence in this. Like even even with Donatello when like you see him and he's struggling, but then you just see like a whole like pile of bodies of foot ninja. Yeah. And just like blood everywhere. Oh dude, or when Michelangelo is like when he's making his final run towards uh God, what's his name? Um, Katori, Hito- uh, Hiroto, Hiroto, or something. The, yeah. the main bad Oro- guy, Oroko Hiroto. Yeah, uh, Shredder's grandson, the mm-hmm. main villain in this. 
there's like a couple panels where you don't even see Michelangelo. You just see text from him like that. He's thinking and you don't like all the panels. You don't see Michelangelo. You just see all these dead bodies. Like you just see the trail of his (laughs) destruction. Yeah. They're showing you his path that he's running, but they're just showing you all the dead bodies in the path of his destruction. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah. No, the, the bloodshed and brutality of this is awesome. I was not expecting that. Like, I knew it was dark. I knew it was gritty. Yeah. But I didn't expect to actually see, like, fucking arrows and swords and blood, like, like swords and arrows stuck into people and just blood all over the place. And it's not gratuitous. Right. But for a Ninja Turtle comic, certainly more than I expected. Yes. I feel I felt like it was a really good balance. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah, it didn't seem like it was trying to be gory mm-hmm. for shock value or anything like that. It felt like it had its place. It was there for a reason. But it also it also didn't feel like Star Wars where there's no blood ever, right? Ever, yeah. So it you got the impression like, oh, they're actually killing these people. <laughs> like, yeah. they, like these are actual ninjas and samurais killing each other. How about April O'Neil? What did you think about this rendition of Dude, April? She is dinged up. Yeah. <laughs> April is dinged up, man. Yeah, she's like missing an arm and is she also missing a leg? She's missing an arm, she's missing a leg, and she is not the sexy April we remember. No. <laughs> no. Well, I mean she it's it's so she's much. like six she's like in her sixties. Yeah. Something like that. Um and then she's got a daughter. Who's named Casey? I forget what she's got a different middle name, but it's Casey. Casey Marie. Casey Marie. That's what it was. Yeah. And so I thought that Casey was a very interesting character. Dude, I liked Casey a lot. I thought that was a and I loved her. Honestly, if I could have gotten more of something, I wish they would have introduced the characters. Maybe not introduce them sooner, because I'm pretty sure like the second episode you meet them. I think. But the the play between this grizzled, jaded Michelangelo and the young, uh, idealist Casey. Sure. I loved their play, their, their play together. And I loved that she, he becomes her sensei. Yeah. That was pretty heartwarming too. that scene. mm -hmm, And he takes on this role of like, once again, Michelangelo was the fun party dude, Mm -hmm. but now he's like, I'm your sensei. No back talk, no silliness. (laughs) Yeah. How hilarious it that Michelangelo is now the guy saying, hey, no nonsense, no goofing around, kid. Yeah. No questions. I'm your sensei. You do as I say. Yeah, because that's what I did <laughs> as, right. as my role in the Ninja Turtle family. I definitely didn't skateboard and eat pizzas <laughs> through the sewer or some shit. Like, yeah, I definitely wasn't the prankster. I really I think that's the like one of the highlights of this uh, run. It's not something brand new, you know what I mean? It's right. this this young untrained apprentice and the wise old man. It's Anakin and fucking Obi-Wan. Yep. It's it, and it's it's just done it always plays really well and I think I really like the play between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah, I I did too. So the story basically is just a revenge tale, right? It's it's him trying to to get rid of the foot, to get rid of uh, this Oroku Hiroto. Um, get rid of it, their hold on New York. It ends up in a big battle between the two of them. And then there are some interesting reveals where you find out that she, Casey Marie, actually has some mutant things happening with her. Yeah. And once again, this is kind of like a silly thing that made me laugh is like the reason she has like mutant power is because April and her father, Casey, hung around a bunch of mutated turtles. They're so like, long. it rubbed off on us because we were buddies <laughs> with these turtles. Like, what? I think they just needed a way. Yeah. You know, like they knew they wanted to do that. They needed a way to make that happen. So it's yeah. a little bit of a flimsy, like, concept. But yeah, I once of... again, they're giant turtles running around like, whatever. I'll, I'll suspend disbelief. Sure. Yeah. To me, the way that I saw that was... So one, are they just like, is it radiation? Are they just like sending out microwaves of radiation? Uh, It would seem so, yeah. Okay, so so it was enough that their offspring, Casey and April's offspring would have it, but not enough that it would affect April 
and Casey themselves. Yeah. So to me, the way that I was looking at it was, oh, it's it's a genetic thing where on her own, April's genes weren't mutated enough to have any real physical change. Yeah. Same thing is true with Casey. But because both of those slightly mutated genes got together and formed a kid, it was a combination of the two that now it's enough in the gene pool that it's starting to make a physical yeah, change. Yeah, that she's like powerful and has a healing factor and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of how it seemed to me, or at least that's how my brain justified it. And then at the end, unfortunately, Michelangelo goes in his last battle, but... No, he had to go, not unfortunately. Like, that was... Yeah. That was his goal from the get-go. It was his goal. I mean... Well, I say unfortunately, because I don't want the Ninja Turtles to die. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't want that, but truthfully, Michelangelo was probably dead for a long time already. (laughs) Yeah, he had died on the inside (laughs) a long time ago. Oh, a while ago. Um... But then it it ends up with uh, Casey and April, and they have four little turtles. Yeah, they got four little baby turtles. Four little baby turtles that they're (laughs) going to turn into some new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I I liked the ending. It was sweet. I Actually, I fucking love the ending of this. Oh, Because I love you get Michelangelo's, like, dream sequence Mm -hmm. where he's with his brothers and he's with Splinter again. Yeah. And Casey, and they're all just hanging out, and it's just like... A fun, good day. And they're young again, and they're on the rooftops in New York. Yeah. I was like, I really liked the way they wrapped it up. It was really sweet. Yeah. Yeah, you could tell that, like, I mean, and it wasn't, they didn't try to sugarcoat this at all, but, like, that's that's what Michelangelo's goal was, is to finish the mission, and then he's done. Yeah. You know, that was the only reason that he was How even How do you alive. feel about him? He had the ghosts of the other turtles with him. Oh. I'm constantly talking to them. I freaking loved it. Yeah, because, because... It's one of those things where you can tell that they're not there, obviously, and it's just Uh all in his head. Yeah. And I feel like that did a really, really good job of kind of visualizing the trauma that he's been going through. Yeah. And just how much internally he's he's struggling with it. Yeah. And that he's Um, still carrying his brothers with him. Yeah. And I felt like that was really, really good because really something that I noticed reading this is when all the turtles died, they were alone. Like Donatello was with Splinter, I guess, but, but, and, and Leo was with Casey, but as far as the four brothers together, I don't think any, I don't think they would have died if they would have stayed together, but they, pardon the phrase, they splintered apart, (laughs) right? And, and that's when they were killed. Yeah. So, so to me, I felt like, I don't know if it was, that was on purpose where, like he's keeping them together. One, he's carrying the I, weight. I, I do. I think that's narrative. I think it was narratively done. Yeah. So that they could stretch it across different books. Well, probably. Oh, as far as the death of the turtles. Yeah. Like sure. each turtle needed his own unique death. So he needed to be alone. Yeah. But I, I feel like that did a really good job of even reinforcing the family aspect of what has been synonymous with the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Right. So the fact that they were on their own, separated from the rest of the group when they died for each instance. Yeah, because that was always kind of their thing is like they were a team and their yeah. their weaknesses were shored up by the strengths of the other three. Exactly. That is kind of their their whole deal. Yeah. And you get to, and I like that. I liked the flashback sequence of Michelangelo, like once his brothers died, mm-hmm. he was like he just went and trained. And yeah. He's like, I learned all their skills. So not only is he like carrying the ghost of his brothers with him, mm-hmm. but he's learning to fight the way they did. He's learning all the things that he didn't know. And he kind of became like all four turtles in one turtle. And I think yeah, that also kind of explains why it. he doesn't have a, I, I, I feel like his character, I don't know if that's intentional, but it feels like it is where his character doesn't in this whole book, doesn't necessarily have, doesn't feel like he has a distinct personality aside from I'm driven by this one thing. Yeah, that's it. He's very one dimensional, I think, as a character. Yeah, because he's kind of like taken on all these aspects. He's not this unique character anymore. Now he is just a. He's the Ronin, you know, sure. and he's just driven by this one purpose. And so he he has nobody left to rely on. So he's learned all the things that they knew in order to continue surviving. Yeah, and I think, to be honest, that's my 
probably my biggest gripe with this comic. Okay. As as much as I loved all of that and that Michelangelo had to change, I didn't love that he doesn't have any of Mike, like none of Michelangelo left. Yeah, they don't even him. give you like a flash and a wink at that fun, silly guy. Yeah. Like not even, not even a little bit, not even once. Yeah, not even when he sees April. Right. And because he thought that April was dead. Yeah. So even when he sees April, like there's nothing that brings out the old Michelangelo Mm -hmm. at all. I think that could have added a lot to the story. I agree. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how much that takes away from it for me. Honestly, not a ton. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a ton away from it. But but I do think it would have been a little bit more effective um, in trying to show that this is Michelangelo and then he's dealing with some shit. (laughs) Yeah, like like he's dealing with some things. He's dealing with some stuff. Yeah. Um. Gosh, there was something. Oh, what was I thinking about? It was there, and then it was just like, and then it was gone. Okay. While you're while you're trying to give me the book, let me look. Let me look through, and I'll I'll see the pictures. It'll. So while you're while you're trying to uh, recollect your thoughts here, do you know? Did you know that the Ninja Turtles were basically? I don't want to use the word a parody, but they they were really pulled from Daredevil. Were you aware of this? <laughs> no, in what? Yeah, okay. In what way? Okay, dude, this is amazing. I'm so happy that you don't know this so that I can tell it to you. Okay. Daredevil, do you know how he got his powers? Uh, yeah, he hit, like, there was, like, a truck that overturned with, like, some radioactive material or exactly, some shit. Exactly, right? Okay. Daredevil uh, is in New York City, Hell's Kitchen specifically. Um, do you know how the Ninja Turtles got their powers? Yeah, they got ooze on them. They were like in the sewers and they got ooze on them. They exactly. were just regular turtles. So the turtles, all right, when when um, when the two writers, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, were creating the turtles, they were thinking it might be kind of fun if when Daredevil got his powers and that truck of ooze that splattered into his eyes, some of it went into the sewer. Oh, okay. And landed on these turtles. And that's what made them turn into mutants and eventually turn into ninjas. That's neat. So the cool thing, too, is in Daredevil, one of the main groups of antagonists is the called... The Foot Clan, right? It's called The Hand. Oh, The Hand. That's right. Yep. And so so then with the Ninja Turtles, the main enemy nan- antagonist is The Foot. Oh, so they just ripped off Daredevil? Yeah. Like, that's that's exactly fun. what they did. Dude, that's All very right. fun. Uh, Daredevil, when he was training, like before he became Daredevil, mm-hmm. uh, once he became blind, he was training with a guy. His sensei was this guy named Stick. That's the name that he went by, was Stick. And the Ninja Turtles leader's name is Splinter. Okay. All right. So the whole thing was basically just a wordplay situation from from Daredevil. <laughs> and kind of pulling from The Ninja it. Turtles are just built on puns, basically. <laughs> yeah. But obviously they, they grew and turned into something wholly original. Yeah. But when they made it, that was kind of I think it was like a hey, this would be kind of fun type of type of situation. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't know how knowledgeable you are about like turtle lore. About the Ninja Turtle lore? Yeah. I don't... I I don't know. Here's the thing that confused me, and it's probably just because I haven't really read the comics. Okay. So the whole... A lot of the flashbacks have to deal with the fact that there is this feud between the Turtles family Mm -hmm. and, like, whatever ninja family they are from, and then Shredder's family. The Oroku or whatever. Yeah, it was like warring clans, It's these, like, two warring clans that have been warring for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. But if they're just four turtles and a rat from the sewers of New York (laughs) City who got mutated and became ninjas, how are they, like, related to these families from... From Japan? From Japan, yeah. Because they even, at one point, that's how Splinter and Donatello dies. They go to Japan mm-hmm. to meet with, like, the elders of the family or, like, the rest of their clan. Not with their clan. They they were going to the enemy clan. Yeah, they were they were going to meet with their clan, but they went to their clan. Oh, yeah, the yeah, other yeah, part yeah. Of their clan. So it's like, are they, like, re-embodied spirits of them or something? I, I just genuinely, I don't, I don't know. So I know that just from the first Ninja Turtle movie. Okay. That... Splinter was, I believe he is from, oh man, 
if you're into the Ninja Turtle lore and you know it, like it's like the like Yamato, back of your hand, the Yamato clan. Yeah, if that it, was that was like Splinter but, and the Turtles are part of the Yamato clan. But I'm, if my memory serves correct, Splinter himself is from Japan. Okay, like the like the rat came over on a boat. Uh huh. And the rat, according to the movie, essentially just like was in the the dojo and watched and practiced martial arts. Oh, so he, <laughs> the rat is just like, I'm part of the Yamato clan. Yeah. And they just accepted him. I guess, maybe. I don't know. My full, I don't know if it's any okay. different from the movie. And the, so you, and so the, you don't necessarily have an answer for I, that. Not okay. a, cool. I can't give you a direct, this is, this is what's happening. Okay. If there's anybody out there listening to this that knows the answer to, like, how are they related to this clan in Japan? Like this feud that's been going on for hundreds of years when they're just little turd. They were little baby turtles in a sewer. How have they been feuding with with the Hiroto clan for the last (laughs) 300 years? I don't I don't understand it. It's just a huge thing. And it didn't feel like a plot hole or anything. It just felt like a hole in my knowledge of the whole lore. Yeah, that's true, because it's because it's presented in a way where. It's almost like they expect you to know. Yeah. Well, and the same thing as the there's a couple characters like the the dumb robot guy, Honey Honeywell. Uh huh. Like you're supposed to just know who that is, and then the guy He's from the comics, the guy who brought down Honeywell. Uh, he was like Hiroto's ally, essentially. Stockman. Stockman. Yeah. Yeah. So Stockman was from the comics, but also from the cartoons. He was the guy who made the Mousers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. So, that's where that was from. I'm not really familiar yeah. with any of those characters. Gotcha. I know Shredder, Bebop, Rocksteady. Okay, yeah. Those are those are the characters I know. And then the actual turtles themselves and obviously April. Sure. So it like it didn't feel like a plot hole. It was just one of those things where I'm like I just lack the knowledge of this. So it was sure. it didn't affect the story for me anyway other than otherwise I was just like I don't I don't necessarily know what's going on, so I'm just going to roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, and it's been a long time since I've watched the the cartoons, but the Mousers were those little robot things with the jaws that would just, like, attack you. Yeah. So Stockman was the guy who created those, worked for Shredder. Yeah, I picked up on that. He was, like, a tech tech guy. And the uh, honey, what's the honey? Honeywell. Honeywell, yeah. I wanted to say honeysuckle. Um, That works. That is... A creation, I believe, of Stockwell's. Okay, and yeah. he seems like a like actual factual AI type yeah, thing. Yeah, something basically. like that. Yeah, yeah. I I think that we're I think that we're at a pretty good stopping point. Cool. Um. So we just did this reinforce the fact that it was Michelangelo was the best Ninja Turtle for you. Well, it didn't reinforce that. I mean, our that is just the facts. Yeah. It's, so, but you're but it's not Thor. It. <laughs> Why is Michelangelo the best Ninja Turtle? He's so fun. That, and the turtles are fun. Those are not good ninja qualities. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest, the nunchucks are probably the stupidest of of like ninja and karate arsenal. Nunchucks are so dumb. What are you going to do with fucking nunchucks? You know what a better weapon is than nunchucks? Any we- a fork. Anything. A stick. Which is what Donatello uses. It's, yeah, it's, it, uh, yeah. Nunchucks are so dumb. And also. No, I just like Michelangelo. He's just fun. Just the personality and wise. I always, yeah. I always go towards fun. That's, That's fair. Like Raphael is, like he's cool or whatever, but he's kind of a dick. And it's just like, yep, we, we get it. You're angry. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's angry again. Surprise. <laughs> and Donat, and then uh, Leonardo is. He's the classic archetype, archetypal good guy. He's the leader. He's mm-hmm. he's the true north, and he's always. I mean, he probably is the best ninja out of all of them. Yeah, he's lawful good. He's the classic good guy. He oh, does okay. the right thing. It's it's boring. It's vanilla. I, yeah, I don't. You need it, but like I don't need it. It's fucking boring. <laughs> yeah, Donatello. Well, I mean, it has its place. Donatello. He does machines. Yeah, he's he's a dork, and it's like honestly, he's probably my second favorite. Yeah. 
I do. I do like Donatello, but like Michelangelo is fun. He's the guy I want to get a pizza and a beer with. Yeah, Mike is probably my least favorite. I want to. I want to skateboard with him. He's, I want to hang out with him. He would be fun. He's my least favorite out of all the turtles. I think my order would go. <laughs> well, you started a podcast with him, so. <laughs> My entire personality is based off of Michelangelo. So. I strive to be. Um, yeah, my order would be Donnie, Leo, Raph, Mike. That's that's the order that I would put oh them in. Oh, my God. I can't believe. Uh, yeah. Yep. I, that's that's where I'm at. I think there was a really fun line in the animated movie. <laughs> I think I'd go Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael, Splinter, then Leonardo. <laughs> okay. Leonardo is so fucking boring. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's not great as a... But I I like the I like the Cyclops of the group. The, sa- the same way as like where's Raphael? It's like oh he's mad. Interesting. Like mm-hmm. go figure. With Leonardo, it's like oh he did the right thing. Cool. Sure. Yeah, I can I can understand that. It's it's kind of a vanilla character. It I feel like they're like okay here's our idea. It's going to be a ninja turtle, a turtle that is also a ninja. Great. <laughs> now let's make variations of that. Right. The first idea, that's Leonardo. That's your Gryffindor. Yeah. You gotta have one. Right? Like, boom. That's, that's the, and then all the alterations are based off of Ninja Turtle. But let's make this one fun. But let the, yeah. let's make this one angry. Let's make this one smart. Yep. You know? Um, so anyway, that's, that's where I stand on it. I feel like this book just reinforces the fact that Michelangelo was the worst Ninja Turtle. Because he had to completely not be Michelangelo in this comic to actually get anything done. <laughs> That's probably fair. <laughs> and what does best and worst mean? Like, as far as, like, being a ninja? Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely the worst ninja. He's the worst. I, I, will, I will give you that. He was the worst he's, ninja. I don't mean he's, like, the least entertaining. I don't think that Donatello is... He was my favorite. As far as, if you're talking about... Ninjas, yeah, he's easily the worst ninja. I will a hundred percent agree yeah, to that. But he's also just my least favorite. I don't know why. I just honestly, he would be most at home being like an eighties stand-up comedian, like with the rolled-up <laughs> sleeves. <laughs> okay. I can see. Like you ever notice, pigeons in New York are really tough. <laughs> like that's where he would fit in best. Yeah. Yeah, and I was trying to, I was trying to, to envision his voice when I was reading him talking and uh, I was having a tough time with it because he's always so like radical tubular. Yeah. So I was trying to get that, that voice, you know, that I would imagine he'd have, but then I would have to like get rid of the surfer accent. It's been beaten out of him. Yeah. It's been beaten out of him. Life is just. Yeah. So I was thinking about what his voice would sound like while I was reading it. (sighs) But anyway, um, I imagined a very gruff, like grizzled, yeah, grizzled voice because he's also an old man in this. At this point, yeah, he's like an old ass turtle. Yeah, so who who would be the perfect actor to voice him in this? Say they make a um, a movie, either animated or quote unquote live action. Oh, dude, live action with like old school prosthetic turtle stuff going on, like the Jim Henson. This would be pretty cool. Oh, that'd be so cool to see. You need you need like a. Like Christopher Nolan or something like somebody who who's good at doing like a dark action story. Dude, a Christopher Nolan Ninja Turtle movie would dude, be dude, fucking awesome. Christopher Nolan doing the last Ronin would be fucking awesome. <laughs> That'd be dude. So cool. Okay, who does the voice though? Yeah. Um, it needs to be gravelly. I think it needs to be gravelly. I think Ron Perlman would be he. That might be too too much of a departure. Yeah, well, I'm. See, I'm kind of leaning towards, um, oh, okay. I've got two options for me. Tell me what you think. Okay. One is Josh Brolin. Sure. The guy yeah. who voiced Thanos. Mm-hmm. All right. I feel like his voice would be pretty good. Yeah. Two, um, Jason Statham. Jason Statham is the bald action guy. Oh, I guy. know who Jason Statham is, but. He's got the rough Australian accent. Yeah, no, but it has to be somebody doing a New York accent. Yeah, but I think that it should be him trying to do a New York accent. <laughs> you know what? Actually, okay. Somebody who we talked about recently. Okay. Oh, gosh, I can't think of his name. Christopher Walken. The guy who played Jax in Sons of Anarchy. Oh, geez. What is that guy's name? Uh, 
I want to say Jensen Eccles, but I know that that's not that's uh, <laughs> that's su- that's Supernatural boy. Yeah. Um, oh, he he actually might be good too. Yeah, he might be good. Uh, Sons of Anarchy, Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. That's, okay. He would because you know he can do a good American accent. That's the only Honestly, accent that he can do good. Yeah, he can't actually <laughs> he can't, do Irish accents for shit. <laughs> That's right. It was Rebel Moon we were talking about. Him. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I I would be I'd be up for. Charlie I could Hunnam. see Charlie Hunnam doing the voice of Michelangelo. Yeah, of like grizzled Michelangelo. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. That might be fun. Who plays April then? We got to think like. Oh, uh. Fucking. True, uh, true romance. Oh, what's her nuts from True Romance? Yes. Uh, is it is her name Pearl? Courtney. Courtney. L- Courtney Arquette. Uh, yeah. Okay. Is it Courtney? Patricia. Patricia, Patricia Arquette. Arquette. Yeah, Patricia Arquette. She's like kind of the perfect age now. Uh, we talked about her in Severance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's kind of the perfect age now, where like I could see that. Yeah. She's old. She plays grizzled well. Yeah. I was thinking like Marissa Tomei, maybe. I don't know. Okay, yeah. Or do you think that Marissa Tomei is still too pretty to be like... I mean, they could do... They could make her look... Because she's... They could make her look dinged up. She it still looks great. Like It's... It's... It's insane, Crazy, yeah. right? Right? Yeah. Right? Okay. All right, moving on. Uh, Amber Heard. How about that one? Let's, let's have April O'Neil be Amber Heard. Or they could make it Megan Fox again and just age her up like crazy. Did you watch that that uh, version of the Ninja Turtles? Uh, I, that movie that I came watched, out like probably like ten years ago now. I watched a little bit of it and I didn't like it. It's not very good. Yeah. I saw that in theaters with Kendra. Well, they did a sequel too. I didn't see the sequel. Yeah, yeah, they did a sequel. I think what's his nuts? The guy who played Green Arrow plays um, plays uh, Casey Jones, Stephen Amell. Okay, I'm pretty sure that he Ninja Turtle. Now, now I need to look. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows came out in 2016. Megan Fox plays April O'Neil. Uh, Laura Linney's in that. Oh, yep. Yep. Stephen O'Neill plays Casey Jones. <sighs> All right. Well, at this point, I think that we are ready for ratings, my friend. So let's see. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six seven weapons between the four Ninja Turtles. I think we're going to go out of uh, one to seven uh, Ninja Turtle weapons. Uh, Six out of seven. Six out of seven. Pretty high up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like this. Um, I liked it a lot. I think it may be seven. There's yeah. nothing about this I didn't like genuinely. Like yeah. even any criticism I have is just like really minor and just stuff that I think maybe could have made it better, but didn't necessarily take away from it. Sure. I yeah. really like the story. I liked how dark and gritty it was. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad. I kind of figured that you would like this one. Um, I think the art, we didn't really even talk about the artwork. I think the artwork's incredible. Yeah. The, the artwork's way, pretty the cool. way throughout. Yeah. Yeah. I had some comments, but I just as far as. Uh, not bad comments about the artwork, just some things, but it really doesn't matter. It doesn't take away or add to the conversation that we had. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed the artwork. Um, I actually really liked the, the flashback scenes, like all of the, so well, yeah, the, the scenes where the turtles die, essentially like those, those scenes I thought were oh, really, yeah, really, really looking well up. Um, let's see if I can find it real quick. They are essentially like done in a sepia tone that yeah. are intentionally meant to kind of harken back to the classic Ninja Turtles comics. Yeah, they were cool. Yeah, I really liked all the flashbacks, even though I didn't necessarily love the way Leonardo went out. That one felt the least, just the least interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, some of them I fit like Donatello and Splinter fighting all the foot soldiers on that in that uh, snow covered graveyard yeah, is cool. fucking incredible. Leonardo or Raphael fighting, uh, fighting <laughs> the, the lady, Shre- lady shredder. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he's fighting like the whole foot clan. And then they end up diving into the water. Mm hmm. Awesome. Yeah, that yeah was a good I, scene. I think a lot of the flashback scenes are just really beautiful looking. Yeah, I think that with Leonardo, if he would have, here's how his death scene should have gone. 
because he's kind of known as the tactician of the group, of uh-huh. the family, right? So he should have done everything perfect. Like, the, it should have been a setting where he has made all these plans. Tactician-wise, everything is perfect. Everything is going to plan. But even though, like, they're being sieged, essentially, when he dies. And even though he's put all of these things in plan and it's it's done perfectly, they're just so overwhelmed by the sheer amount of foot ninjas or foot soldiers that that's what took him out. Yeah. Like, they they kind of lead you to believe that because of him and Casey making their stand, Michelangelo and April were able to get away. Yeah. But I I feel like if they would have really solidified, like, oh, this is going exactly how Leonardo wanted it to go. It just, they could not account for the sheer number of enemies that showed up at their doorstep. I think that that would have been kind of kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. To kind of lay into, because with all of the other ones, I felt like they were playing into the tropes of those characters. Like, Raph going off and storming, the, that's very mm-hmm. Raphael, right? And, and having Donatello go with Splinter to like discuss and debate and talk on behalf of their clan yeah. makes sense for Donatello yeah, to be the like one the to go. Yeah, he's like most level-headed yeah. and kind of uh, like intelligent of yeah. them, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I see what you're saying as far as it just kind of feels like, oh, he just died in an explosion. Yeah. You know, that kind of sucks. So, um, anyway, with that being said, um, I would probably have to agree with Thor. I think 7 out of 7 is the way to go. I think this is a really, really cool comic. It's one of the best that I've read in a while. The more and more I read comics, the less and less I want to read Marvel and DC. Uh, I just want to read, you know, Image or IDW or any of the other uh, indie comic companies. So, folks, what do you think? Have you read The Last Ronin? There's talks about a video game of this coming out. Oh, that'd be fucking sick. Yeah. Um, have you read it? Let us know. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are. Let us know who your favorite Ninja Turtle is. Are we all wrong? Because Raph is pretty popular and... Uh, he, yeah, Raph's okay. And he did die first. Let's be real. Yeah, everybody likes Raphael. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. You like Wolverine too? Oh, of course or, they like or Wolverine original, too. Original, you fucking ass. Yeah, of Go course on. they like Wolverine yeah, too. <laughs> I'm getting mad at like hypothetical <laughs> messages we haven't even received. So, uh, you can find us on a number of avenues. You can send us an email. You can find us on Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, all the social medias, except for the ones I didn't list. And uh, you can find us on email. You can send us an email at getrecpod at gmail.com. Thor, I'm going to let you spell that this time. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. And Micah for next week. Oh, yeah. What are we getting into? Okay, so uh, Michelle reached out to me. Our most faithful listener has been with us since the very beginning. Love, Michelle. She gave us... She was like, I have two movies, and both of these are movies that we've seen. Okay. But I feel like they're movies we neither one of us has seen recently. Okay. And I think they'd be fun conversations. Okay. So, would you rather watch Train Spotting with you and okay. McGregor about him uh, being a heroin addict in Scotland? Yeah, real fun or time. Or the 1995 movie Hackers? Oh, my gosh. I would be up for either of those. See, me, I was thinking, honestly, I think I would rather watch Hackers. You want to do Hackers? Yeah, sure. Let's watch that Hackers. That one I remember less. Like, I've watched yeah. Train Spotting more recently. Okay. It's been a long time since I've seen Hackers. I yeah. think probably I in the 90s, like, not long after it came out. I don't remember anything about Hackers at it, all. It's one of the, I remember, like, there's flashes of it. Like, I can remember, like, like, a screenshot in my brain, basically, of, like, a scene. But as far as the actual plot. God, who knows? I imagine that they're hackers. Yep. But other than that, you have uh, Angelina Jolie, Matthew Lillard, uh, Johnny Lee Miller. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, I just pulled this pretty, up on IMDb. It pretty good cast. So nineties. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, from what I recall, it's like the most nineties movie to ever be made in the nineties. Pendulette is in this. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, Pendulette's in it. Mark Anthony's in it. <laughs> so, okay. Yep, this will be fun. This will be fun. I don't. Oh, that's right. And Shaggy is in this too from the Scooby Doo movies. I forgot his stupid yeah, that's braids. Matthew Lillard. His stupid braids. 
in this. All right. Yep. Oh this... yeah, he has braids in this. Oh uh-huh. my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's watch watch hackers next week. I'm totally down and... for that. <laughs> totally down for that. Okay. Hey folks, it's Thor from the future here. So. Uh, we are not doing Hackers next week. We're actually doing a crossover episode with Zach McCrary from the comics that we love. We're both doing a Spidey-centric uh, week. So on his show, we're covering a Spider-Man comic. And on our show, we are covering a fan-made 1992 film called The Green Goblin's Last Stand. It's available for free on YouTube So disregard the thing about hackers. That'll be on the following week. And I'm here too. Me too. (laughs) We're all here. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So as always, folks. Nope. So until next time, folks. (laughs) As always. I'll get it someday. Uh, You get wrecked out there. Stay wrecked. Yeah. What's the favorite? what's What's the line that Ninja Turtles use all the time? What's their catchphrase? I want pizza. Oh, I thought it was cowabunga. Oh, it is cowabunga. That one. <laughs> <laughs>